Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. From the icy reaches of Montreal, Canada, Solid Gold Effects are effects pedal creators who constantly reinvent the wheel with their wonderful devices. If you, like us, are looking for something more than just another chorus, fuzz or flanger, then that's exactly what Solid Gold Effects do best. From the oblivion, a quadruple-voiced flanger with a whole bunch of internal dip switches, to the lysis, a polyphonic octave-down fuzz modulator, Solid Gold are just a great shout if you want to do something different, make weird noises, or if you're just looking for something a bit more fun. Check out their range of ultimately original soundscape devices at solidgoldfx.com. We think they're wicked. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello there. And Jay Cross. Hi there. Exactly, yes. Season two, episode 10. 10, we're in double figures. Double figures, finally. I feel um, um, so much more professional now I've got this new mic stand holder, Joe. Oh, yes, I I did get you a new mic stand because, uh, I don't know, listeners, you might be, I tried to get rid of them in the episodes when it happened, but Matt, you were constantly banging your mic stand and it's like, it's it's got like um, a spring on it and so it would go... It's got very large springs, um, which which kind of got caught and then had, yeah, like quite a ping. This one's in a little like shock mount. Oh, that's nice. And uh, yeah, it's in the table better. That's uh, good. It was cheap, the one I got you before. I did cheap out. (laughs) By cheap. Whereas this one is expensive. Yeah, well, evidently. Evidently. Um, Yeah, but it, it, uh, it seems better and I can like talk properly. In the microphone, which was also another bugbear of, of yours, Joe, because I, I constantly miss oh, the microphone. I, I constantly, constantly. Because like, I'm excited. You know, I'm an excited man. No, because Matt, you sound check like this, and then you spend the podcast talking over here. That's 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 what's difficult about you. But yeah. it's just you know, it's important yeah. to keep you on your toes, Joe. M- M- that, I, Matt, I agree. What, with the you know the guitar nerd's host, we've got a separate. Uh, group chat without you mm-hmm. yeah. and uh we we each come up with ways that uh easy and fun ways to annoy you this week that's that's good that that makes yeah, sense Naomi's, you... Naomi's put forward some great suggestions so i look forward to that next week a great fantastic wonderful thing it's, it's not like um it's not like the loudness war of like the late 90s joe where you're just mm. like compressing music you're just like mad compressor on max that'll be fine <laughs> you know you've got to ride the controls joe real time oh, okay uh, thank you thank you for your recommendations i, I do I, I do appreciate it Actually, 
actually, I mean, you know, think about it. It's like, you know, I am using the same microphone to podcast now that we bought maybe, I don't know, four years ago. I want to say four years ago, and I'm still using this neat uh, bumblebee. And Jay, I think you've been using your neat, you've got the grade down from me, but also a neat mic. No, um, I, no, no, no. I, I, uh, I sold that on eBay and oh. I'm, I'm just going, I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm, this is through WhatsApp. I'm just oh. on the, I'm just on the, I'm just, it's just my phone mic. I see. I see. Sounds of good, course. actually. I'm surprised. Great. Well, you know, you've, you've had that for, for several years. Whereas Matt, Matt, on the other hand, you, you seem to break a microphone at, at least, hey. at least yearly, at least yearly. Not this one. No. Well, Why, not yet. Yeah. That's a new one. You've, you've only had it a couple of months, but, uh, yeah, but no, yeah. I don't know what you do with them, Matt. I don't know where you put them or how you throw them around. But you know, you you seem to you seem to get through right, I'll, them. I'll, I'll, I'll keep this one nice and safe. Well, thank you, thank you, Matt. Thank you. Anyway, we should uh, welcome aboard our new uh, Patreon backer, Cyrus Haskell. Thank you for for joining uh, our uh, our Patreon team. Uh, Cyrus, which is great because, of course, he, he's joined us the week after we talked about Cyrus's uh, question on the um, on the Patreon exclusive episode of the Guitar. Oh podcast. yeah, so he's here for a one and done. That's what it well, is. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's see, fine. Bloody legend. Good no, on it's him. Fine. Yeah, it's it's good. So it got me thinking. I'm going to try and and actually talk about uh, different listener questions each week on the Patreon, actually do it, or at least tell them that we're doing it on the main episode. So I think that that's, get, the, that's the way to go. It's get just people tell people to sign up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. But, but make sure we're telling people who aren't patrons so they'll then pay money to hear it. And then afterwards, it doesn't matter if it's there or not because they paid. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't cancel the first month, whatever you do. So, exactly. Yeah, happy exactly. days. Uh, Joe, I think that is a really... Um, clever and unpredatory business model mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and yeah good 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 on you good thank on you thank you unpredatory is my middle name so yeah. <laughs> thank you but uh but yes anyway let's uh, let's talk about some guitar stuff abe matthews on the uh on the <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about abe's question on the patreon join us now <laughs> Uh, but no, but seriously, Abe Matthews on the on the Facebook group. I tell you what, we I am actually talking about a few things that listeners have posted on the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. Um, uh, half because you know, dear listener, if you're not part of the group, I, please join in. It's it's such a fun discussion. I learn so much from from that group every day. So you know, join in if you're not already a part of the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. But also, Abe Matthews pointed out that whilst I have been collecting, you know, plugins, and we will, of course, talk about plugin of the week again shortly. Whilst I've been collecting plugins, Abe has been collecting 500 series preamps. I kind of thought this was the sort of thing that was right up your street, Matt, because it kind of got me thinking: Is this something I should get into? Um, you know, is the answer Matt, is always yes. So, do you, Matt, do you own many 500 series? I don't really understand what a 500 no. series it pre uh, or 500 series thing is they're like the little mini bits of rack that i know that jhs did a bunch of their pedals in yeah so from what i understand and no i don't i don't have it i was like oh i haven't i haven't bought many pedals recently i sort of yeah sort of, oh, sort of maybe i've got enough and then i've realized i've bought loads of recording gear recently and i've been like <laughs> trying to dive way more into recording like you know um bought easy drummer and some like 
DI boxes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm just spending it on something different. But yeah, 500 series is still, it's like 2U rack height, but they're like little insert consoles like you'd get on a, a big mixing desk. Like a modular they're, synth. Yes, basically. But they are, you know, EQs, mic preamps, uh, you know, you can get effects and stuff as well. So it's like what you route your signal into to record or if you're going to reamp and, you know, send your signal out back into a into a desk. So it's it's almost like you can buy these little 500 series, like lunch boxes that you can put like four modules in or six modules in. So you can take them to a recording session and you've got your favourite mic preamp and your favourite compressor oh. um, and stuff like that as well, which is, that's actually pretty cool. I think, you know, especially for more portable musicians now if you go to a session and you're a guitar player you can be like oh, i always run my bass through this particular di and compressor mm. or i really like mixing drums but i really like always using this eq um so you can have those in in, in a kind of setup uh, and you can also buy them in you know you can if you've got rack space in your desk or whatever you can put them in there so i think actually if you're into recording more at home uh and doing sort of more production i think it's actually quite a cool way to have some nice outboard gear rather than maybe, you know, always working in the box and just using plugins. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I guess that that's the that's the argument. And the thing that I kind of come up at a, a little bit at odds about, like if as soon as you're using outboard gear, it means you're committed to that sound when it's recorded. And that's the advantage of a a plug-in really is the constant ability to manipulate it no matter what you know and you might want to manipulate something depending on what you add in a, in addition to that on the track which always seems to me to be the reason that i would favor a plug-in but of course when it comes to sound quality certainly when it comes to a preamp i can see the advantage of that one of the things that abe was suggesting was this camden um series uh by uh the camden 500 by cranbourne audio um, who are a little a little UK company? It looks like they want a bunch of stuff from like SOS editors pick of in Gear of the Year 2018. They were a highly commended 2019 SOS award. They uh, they were uh, oh you know it looks like actually they just got loads of awards from the same place. But you know nonetheless, <laughs> um, I mean I get in fairness I guess the, the thing is is it's like where else are you getting gear oh, like this reviewed except for sound on sound in the uk yeah, like, yeah i think exactly. um you know you make a good point joe i mean you know a lot of interfaces now have got like a high z input you know for um guitar impedance and then you've got great plugins um but i think there's a lot to be said about well things like microphones and stuff um so having like proper mic preamps like you'd have like on a channel strip on a desk um that double up as a really powerful di box um so if you're doing a lot if you're an acoustic player you can't Mm. really plug straight in and a lot of the times if you're just plugging straight into an interface you're relying on digital plugins to like do a lot of the signal processing where actually what you want is the best possible sound quality going into your interface um that's what you know that's what you want and then of course you can manipulate it afterwards but having a really nice mic preamp and uh you know being able to control and tailor the sound for maybe different microphones you're recording or um depending on what you're doing uh i was looking at this radial hdi di box it's the most expensive di box that radial makes like 800 quid wow um, but it's it's a custom like 
Jensen Transformer uh, HD, um, HDDI box that basically looks like a little amp head that's got like a compressor and stuff built into it. It's really designed for bass players, but they're like, this is what a bass player should just take to a session and plug into that. You've got a DI out, but then you can go out into an amp as well. No, um, I really it's like want it, ultra- but that's so expensive. I know, I know. So I think it's things like that. I mean, we were talking just before the podcast, I bought a radial J48. I mean, I could plug straight into my interface, but I found that I like having the through so I can right. still plug into an amp at the same time so I can monitor through an amp, but then I can record a direct dry signal and I'm recording a slightly better quality DI signal than I would be plugging straight into my interface. Um so yeah, I mean any excuse to buy more things is good. And a lot of brands, like you say, a lot of brands are doing five hundred series modules um yeah. now as well. So that's that's quite it cool. Is, like it's the year of home recording, isn't it? So Yeah, I think it's I mean honestly I've been <laughs> I spent about five or six hours just like playing around with just like recording. I was like I wish, I wish I'd started doing this 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like getting exactly into it now. I'm just like, I just, I have some time, you know, I, I have a bit more time to kind of dive into things. I'm just like, man, but I'm just having so much fun. I had so much fun writing a track and writing the drums at the same time mm. and actually writing a song. I was like, this is the first song I've ever finished. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think... Yeah, I, I, honestly, I know it's been a crazy, crazy year and a difficult year for so many. I'm so thankful to be able to have the opportunity to actually like sit in front of a computer and actually do some recording and write some music. And I think so yeah. many other people have been able to do the same thing. So I think we are seeing a lot more people buy gear for home recording because, you know, you've got the opportunity to do it. Well, uh, people have just, you know, a lot of people have <clears throat> have had to invest in the infrastructure to be able to work from home. And I mean, you know, how much extra investment or how much extra time and effort really do you have to put into plugging in a DI into your existing work setup in order to be able to play guitar and record it? You know, not very much. You know, realistically, I I didn't have the... I, I have managed to find a way to put together like a pretty comfortable, I mean the office that I have put together for myself is an absolute tip, but you know, that (laughs) is kind of my own, my own problem. Um, you know, I've put together a pretty compact little area where I'm able to work and I could easily just, um, do a bit of home recording if I wanted to. I just, uh, I haven't got around. The the problem is, is I haven't got around to listening to the, uh, uh, there was this really great series on how to do kind of, you know, <laughs> learning to record from home. Um, and I, just, I haven't got around to, to listening to it yet. So it was uh, it was by some guitar podcast, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, I think I think people have invested in that and it seems like an easy place to go, really. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, my, I think the one tip that I would give to anyone now is you can do it really simply with just like really basic interface and a pair of headphones um but no matter what setup you're using have it in a way that it's it's good to go as soon as you want to start playing so you don't have to like oh i've got to get all these cables out and play because as soon as you start doing that as soon as you get to that point of like hitting record you're like no it's it's gone so like i've got mine set up now literally di box is always on always running so all i need to do is load up studio one and then i can just like start going 
And I think so, before I've been like, oh, I'll pack everything away. And then when I come to like wanting to write something or record something, I'll plug everything in. And it just, it just never works. Because that's, that, that, I, 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 I agree. I think that's the best piece of advice. You know, I, I took it a step further and built like a, um, so I can open a track on, on Studio One and I built a preset which I can drop onto a track, which is essentially my amp settings. So, all I have to do is open two tracks, both uh, both you know uh, recording to the the same input. Both of them have the Presonus Fat Channel Tube Compressor on them, and then both of them have the um, that Ampeg um, amp sim that we were talking about the other week. That was like I think it was it was free, wasn't it? I think it was free on the at, at the time. It was like a hundred pound yes. amp sim from was it Waves? I think it was Waves that did it. Um, and so it was the Ampeg VR, and I just have two of those in like Billy Sheehan style. So one of them's all the treble cut and all the bass boosted, and one of them's all the treble boosted and all the bass cut. Um, and I can just drop that onto two channels, and it's it's good to go. Like it's it's saved and preset in my exact sort of thing with the compression and the and the amps where i want them to be so now i'm kind of even practicing i'm just like oh i'll just drop these in and and play from here yeah it's um making a quick and clean and easy setup just makes things so easy yeah and yeah having a template saved in a you know in your daw so you can just kind of click and go just works but yeah it's the funny thing for me was i so i did a bunch of recording on saturday i wrote this song on on acoustic and i was like oh i'm gonna mic up an acoustic and you know i had my sm57 i was like doesn't sm57 work for acoustic and most people are like yes it does i'm like great it's the only microphone i own and um <laughs> yeah I, I wrote this drum track and i recorded it and i listened to the next day and went i cannot believe how bad my timing is and I listened back to it and I was like, oh my God. It, I was like so behind the beat. I was like, I can't be that lazy. Um, what, so you, were you listening to the drums as you played it? Yeah. Yeah. So I was oh, playing right. along to a drummer and I was just like, and I was, I was like jamming along. I was like, oh, I love it. I'm the best. And then listened back to it and was like, oh my God, I'm terrible. Did you I never practice to a metronome? I never practiced no. to a metronome oh, and I never yeah. did. And this is the thing I'm you saying. Like, I wish I'd started no, definitely not. 10 years ago and just... Play along with some drum song as well, Matty. No. Oh, mate, you got to record a little bit of vocals. No, what yeah. I want to do is I want to Write record me a love song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, it was funny enough because I started playing a song that was like chords, and Amy came in and went, "Really like that song. It's better than that sort of like ambient guitar that you like playing all the time." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." Uh, uh, no, I want to. Rec- I want to get to the point where, kind of like me and, and Joe did with the recording sort of series of Joe writing and then back and forth some ideas. I started, literally had one band rehearsal about five days before lockdown um, with another like singer-songwriter. And so I want to get to the point where I can do a lot of stuff here and then send the stems over and they can record vocals back and then, you know, sort of actually try and write some music, but yeah, do as much remotely as possible. Do it. Um, Easy Drummer seems like a wonderful solution for that. Like, you know... um What's the one I've got? I always forget the name. You've got? Have you got addictive drums? <laughs> I've got addictive drums. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're both are very similar and 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 excellent. And you know, we we. Yeah, I, I would say, um, especially for like 
you know, Jay, if you want to do some stuff like Easy Drummer, it's wicked. Because you can just find one drum part you like and then be like, hit the sun crater. And it's like, yeah, can you just give me like first chorus, first chorus? And I'd be like, yeah, if you try Sorry, all of these that's parts. that's about two pieces too many for me. <laughs> yeah, verse, chorus, <laughs> verse, <laughs> intro. That was, um, I, I think I've talked about this on a podcast before, but I, uh, I used to play in this uh, like kind of emo band and um, we like kind of like hardcore well, I played in this punk band and I wore a cardigan and wrote and sang sad songs over it. So, you know, basically it became an emo band. But uh, basically my, our like mantra on the whole thing was write a good bit, yeah, and then write another good bit and that's the end of the song. So like all of the songs are like, <laughs> it's two bits and very rarely did any of them repeat. So like you could call that's one cool. verse and I'm one a chorus. But that's it's just, I mean, progressive, to be honest, Jay. I'd call you guys a progressive rock band. Yeah, uh, Progressive, yeah. Well, because I mean, that's um, movements. You're working in movements rather yeah, okay. than repetition, you know. Okay, like, yeah. One of my favourite uh, prog bands is a band we got to tour with um, – uh, I've completely forgotten their name. God. Damn it, what is wrong with my brain? Well, whilst you think about that, I'll yeah, explain that. Yeah, the you seven carry on. The seven inch that we put on we put out was six songs in I think four and a half minutes. So, you know, it was a bit of a waste of time putting a was record that, out. Was that yeah, was that the limitation of the vinyl press though? It's like, oh, I really want to press. No, no, like no. In fact, quite the opposite. They were like, fellas, like there's not enough. There's not enough music on here. Like, I mean, like <laughs> there wasn't any music on there, let's be honest. But like, you know, there's not enough data. We need more stuff to get on here. But no, no, never never an issue. Well, yeah, well, write, write a bit, write another good bit. I was actually, I, um, I was on Twitter this week and I uh, saw um, Laura Jane Grace from the band Against Me. Uh, oh, yeah. Said something, tweeted something that I found really inspiring because, you know, we've talked a little bit about how um, I've really tried to, like, I've really wanted to do a bit of recording and, like, write some songs, but I've, I've just found the whole thing really, I found sitting down and doing it very uninspiring I, i've been very uninspired put it that way because like i have always played guitar to play in a band and playing in a band at the moment just i realize it's closer than it's been for a long time but it still feels so far away and so like finding the kind of inspiration to sit down and be like right i'm gonna write a song and i will be able to play this in front of people at some point just feels like this insurmountable journey but i saw laura jane grace uh like respond to someone who basically asked the same question and she just said like just go and write a song about anything like go take g c and d write a song and sing a song about your fridge write some lyrics about your kitchen appliances and you don't ever have to play that song for anybody but like the fact that you're still writing and you're still pushing the creative uh like pushing your creative buttons to like put something together that is a song is really important. So I, I found that really inspiring this week. So I think I am actually going to do it. I'm going to try and sit down and probably won't write a song about my fridge, but like I might just write a song that like, you know, about me over here about you, maybe, maybe about your, your fantastic moustache. Maybe I'll do that, Joe. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I did remember the band's name, by the way. I don't know what's wrong okay. with me. They're very good friends of mine. Body Hound. They're a fantastic, oh, yeah. fantastic prog band. They have this whole rule where they never repeat themselves. They never repeat anything in any song. Is that like, so I'm sorry, so, I haven't a clue? So, sorry, what? Like, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Where they can't, you know, they can't use the same words twice. Otherwise, they get buzzed out. 
Oh, I guess so. I don't know what that is, but yes. Oh, it's like that Radio 4 uh, quiz, uh, like comedy show, I guess. Don't oh. worry. No. Don't worry. But, it doesn't matter. It was, well, that, yes. was a ter- that was a, a bad joke, obviously. Well, I, I enjoyed it. I, 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 thought forgot, it was I forgot about the, you know, where we are. This isn't really a Radio 4 type N- of not, uh, audience, not really. is it? No, no, I, I don't really listen to radio. I listen to Atletico Mints, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah with uh, what's his name? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Bob Mortimer. Yeah. Mortimer. Bob Mortimer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's very good. It's very good. I was it? Do you, do you see him on Task? You watch Taskmaster? No. Oh, mate. Like Taskmaster, it starts again real soon. It's like my favorite television program at the moment, except for the football. Um, Taskmaster is so good. It's like, you, yeah, you should watch it. It's really good. I kind of always stayed away from it because I thought, ah, oh, this is just sort of like BBC comedians doing things that they think are funny and actually it's really it's like it's amazing it's it's great great television and uh bob mortimer was on a season of that and i highly highly recommend it well if bob mortimer's on it then i am i'm already invested now to uh to kind of bring the discussion away from uh you know recording and stuff uh, momentarily and towards guitars as we haven't really spoken about many uh yeah i wanted to talk about um, the the whole Gibson Base Six thing, which is another topic that's kind of turned up on the on the Facebook group recently. Um, I think someone someone had shared um, the kind of the the three three five style, very very rare Gibson Base Six uh, on on our group because I think one had one had come up recently and it had been commented that. Uh, you know, someone else had said, oh, that, you know, they preferred the solid body, which is, of course, the SG um, shape, which is maybe the most common of the base sixes, of course. And this, you know, with this prompted us to talk about in our in our private chat, the fact that recently on a guitar auction site, there's a there was an Epiphone uh, embassy um, style base, um, the the basics which had which had come up for auction, which I'd been like, yeah, I'm going to register to to bid on this because I'd kind of thought, you know, I'd have thought no one knows no one knows anything about this. We're talking about an old '60s base six in that sort of Wiltshire body shape. No, this is no one's possibly going to want to purchase this, um, and, you know. So I registered to bid, thinking like tops. It, it said it was listed as like you know. Uh, expected to go for between one and two thousand pounds and i was like well if, if no one's bidding on it i could i could maybe stretch to that thousand pound uh you know mark it went for seven thousand eight hundred and seventy four pounds um for like that classic so a thing. little bit out, a little bit outside your budget even, even, for, even for joe money no uh object branton yeah exactly seven and a half grand was maybe a bit of a stretch it was yeah that's a shame that's a shame it it was funny when that showed up in the group about five minutes after you said oh look at this guys nobody's bidding on this i'm gonna bid for it and then it was like okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly but um it's the way when you spot something and you think you're the only one who spotted it um that that's why i was really amazed that um i'm sure many people who who listen to this podcast of fans of, of Chris Buck, but he last year bought a 63 Strat at an, a local auction. He's in Wales. And I think he paid like a couple of grand for it. And there was a wow. couple, there was a couple of other people there, but no, I mean, it was in a terrible, terrible condition. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it'd been in someone's house for years and then just appeared in this local auction. Um, but now so many auction houses are online 
as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, my, exactly. my dad, you know, spends loads of time in antiques auctions and stuff like that. And he's like always forwarding me like musical instruments or, or record collections is another one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, like there's some great records here. And there's like estimate of Fiverr. And there was a couple, there was one I saw about a year ago. It was like someone had obviously collected like grunge records and they had all these Nirvana pressings and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, there's some really collectible stuff in here. And then like, I went back, I was like, they started to get out of hand price wise. Cause you can watch them in real time now as well. And like one went for like six grand and just like, it's a local auction in a tiny town in yeah. Suffolk, you know, but it's, unfor- it's an unfortunate thing of the internet. It's a pit- that's why well, you can't yeah, go to a car and- boot and find a 59 less pool. Anyway, well, you probably can, but not so uh, very, very unlikely. But yeah, I mean, even with uh, with like records, you know, the kind of the last bastion of of uh, like crate diggers for a long time was in uh, charity shops and stuff like that. And um, I read a thing about how even charity shops nowadays are used in discogs. You know, they'll get a yeah. uh, they'll get like a load of records dropped in, and, and they'll they'll send they'll send a volunteer to go and sit by a. Uh, sit on a computer and be like, okay, what pressing is this, uh, this, <laughs> this bad brain yeah, record so, then? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's this, like, uh, oh, wow, this is, a, this is an original, better put this up for, you know, it, so like even, even that, I mean, I never got lucky in, in, in going through that sort of thing, but, um, you know, I think, but also that, that's good. You know, it's good that <laughs> the charity shops are able to get like, what, oh yeah, uh, they get the value of stuff as opposed to just like whatever. There's a yeah, there's course. a small there's a small town not far away from where my parents live. Uh, that's got a charity shop in, and they only do records. And so any cha- any record that goes into any shop in there's like fifty in in Suffolk and Norfolk. They get they send them to this one specific oh, wow. one, and they get a fresh collect a fresh delivery every Wednesday. And it's one of the best record stores I've ever been into. Yeah, I bet. And wow. it's just run by volunteers um, who have some. How, who happen to also be like really into vinyl? Yeah. Um, well, why do you think that is? Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like, uh, everyone, uh, everyone jones uh, for that Wednesday morning shift. That's yeah. why. So, um, yeah, but I think you know, it, like you say, it is a, it is a good thing, and you know, in some ways, I, I must admit, I was thinking about this the other day. Someone had dumped outside their house just down the road from me. Oh, that's disgusting! A a, um, <laughs> a, a four by twelve cap. But it was clearly an old Wem cab from the seventies, and I was like, "What? Oh man! Like, I wonder if it's got like the original like Fane speakers in. The speakers are worth so much money, but it obviously like gutted it because I then like tipped the back over and it's like, oh, it's empty. Someone had like ripped the bat, like the badge was half hanging off and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'd, I'd sort of feel weird if someone was like, I'm chucking out this guitar I found in." You know, my partner's loft, and you open it. It's like a fifty-nine less pole, and you're like, "I'll give you fifty pounds for it." I, yeah. I, I don't, th- I don't think I could do it. No, you know, it'd just be like this. Well, I mean, worth. you know, in a more real, in a more real world example of that, it's similar things used to happen when we worked at when we worked at GAC, and people would come in and say, "Look, I've got this guitar that I want to sell. I don't really know what it's worth. What can you offer me, or whatever? What can you tell me about it?" You know, there were plenty of times when we could have mm. ripped people off, but I think. And I'm sure that people do get ripped off when they in, in those sorts of situations. It's just unfortunate that 
uh, Matty and I are of extremely high <laughs> moral standing. You know, it's not like when uh, someone unfortunately would come in on a day when Marky P was sat at the desk <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, 50 quid for that one, mate. 50 quid for that one. Classic you know? Mark Peckham. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I appreciate we've been off topic a lot, but like, but, but just on on that note, that's you know exactly what happened to to my my dad. As in, you know, a good Samaritan helped out with. I'm sure yeah. I've told this story on the podcast probably before, and I've certainly told you before. But the story of the the bicycle that I used to cycle as a kid, which was a uh, an old rally grifter, and when my dad came to sell it on eBay for fifty quid, only this was maybe maybe ten years ago now. Sort of, he, he came to sell it on eBay, popped it up for 50 quid and he kept getting people offering him 150 quid, 200 quid, 300 quid, uh, just in direct messages for him to just take it down and list it then. And then some some fellow very kindly messaged my dad and said, look, I don't think you know what you have here, but if your serial number is correct, then you have the first prototype of the Rally Grifter and it's it's worth thousands and thousands of wow. pounds. Um, did, did have I not? T- maybe, maybe I haven't. I maybe so. I haven't. No, but yeah, that that was essentially it. It was like a. Um, it, it turned. It turned out after my dad did some research into it. There was like the Rally Grifter fan club, and like he'd he'd found you know posts on there where um someone had been like you know what's the what what's the oldest Rally Grifter, and the uh, the guy who runs the group had been like, well, I have the um. I have the serial number 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 two. The chairman has serial number number one, but there is a there is a zero um, that's gone missing. No one's ever no one's ever seen it or or heard from it. You know, it's 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 obviously been scrapped somewhere. So that's that's the one that everyone's after. But of course, it doesn't exist anymore. And it was the one that I'd been cycling around <laughs> <laughs> going down, going going into the woods yeah. and uh, yeah, exactly. Doing- Going to get like doing jumps over trees and stuff like that. <laughs> that my dad bought in like a Harrow, uh, you know, sort of car boot for a, a tenner or something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. But yeah, that that you know, that's uh, that's essentially you know, paying for my uh, my two younger brothers to you know go go into university if should, they should wish. Wow, when they, amazing. When they're old enough. So yeah, he, he he did very well off. He did a private auction on the Rally Grifter website and did very well off of it. But oh, yeah, amazing! A, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and, and all very because this one fit, he would have sold it for fifty quid. You know, if yeah. uh, if that yeah, fella yeah. hadn't hadn't got in touch and pointed it out. Anyway, yes, I appreciate we've been well off subject. I did want to talk about the Gibson Basics thing just because my kind of question about the Gibson Basics thing is they've done the the Epiphone Newport model they've done the the SG they've done the um the EB the three, the 335 style um shape hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But it's never, it's not something they've ever done. Every single one of those, they only ran for a couple of years. They were relatively unpopular. And it's not something that they've ever reissued. Um, since kind of the 60s, whereas, you know, Fender and Squire have kind of made, you know, had had great success in reissuing the, the base six throughout the years. And like, you know, why do you think this is an area that only Fender have managed to, like, why did the Gibson base six not take off? It just seems like such an obvious instrument to work for them. Like if you were going to... I don't know though, because I think like it is quite niche. It's a niche instrument, you know. It, it's in in so far as like, how does it really fit into like modern music? The basics. I guess so. I guess and so. I just like, it, Gibson are such a heavy brand, aren't they? like you know, they're a heavier brand than a Fender in many senses. And you'd have thought a basics kind of works for that, doesn't it? It works as like a heavy instrument. Why is this not a? Well, but, but, but again, it's it's the like in terms of how people make music in this day and age. When you say heavy, it's like metal is like heavy music is down tuned. It's not, it's not like an octave down. It's down tuned. People want to be able to play like you know uh, drop D type chords and stuff like that. That's what people are doing with making kind of modern metal, I guess, and modern heavy music. It's not I'm going to play a G shape, but it's an octave lower. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. You just think that that that's it. Then that that even though it is a heavily drop tuned instrument, it's not a baritone. It's a different kettle of fish. And I guess the you know you're more likely to see in in the example of the Fender Basics, you're more likely to see someone playing cream covers than you are to see them play Meshuggah on it, sort of thing. And it's yeah. I, I guess that's your point. Yeah, it just it just seems you know I look at the SG version of it and I'm like this just looks like what companies like electric guitar company and dunnable uh sort of trying to make guitars like these incredibly aggressive looking thick strung instruments and i just thought it's weird i guess to me that this never took off or, or that they never even bothered to reissue it an inch shorter with baritone strings on it just seems mm. like a you know a strange thing for gibson to not try to revisit they just look incredibly cool but yeah it's 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 funny isn't it i guess it's just like you say it's just the needs of the time and then it's only really now that this thing's cycled back round. but when you sent or when i think that first popped up in the group i can't remember was it the sg that popped up in the group or was it no, it was the, the 335 that popped up in the group and then someone had mentioned that they preferred the sg version and it just made me think of the fact that you know that yeah, phone newport had come up so recently 
someone had sent me I, I i'm guessing it was i can't remember the one that was in the group but one of the two pickup eb6s oh yeah um so it's the semi-hollow but with like two basically two neck pickups a neck and a middle pickup yeah. uh humbuckers i was just like man it's they're extremely cool um i guess what was it really being used for then i guess it was to play bass parts early on people were yeah. playing obviously you know, you think of George, George Harrison was playing was playing bass parts on on Beatles records, uh, you know after Paul McCartney had moved to the piano for a lot of stuff, and you think Cream were Jack Bruce was playing a basics for a lot of Disraeli gears. In fact, mm. I think all of Disraeli gears was recorded on a Fender bass six. You know, that, and and that's just essentially he was looking for a Gibson bass tone. You know, and he went for a Fender bass six to get that because it was a similar vibe. Yeah, I think like the Cocteau Twins are probably a band that are um, like well known for for their use of the basics. Um, I, I, in terms of like the the Cure, like, the Cure again, or uh, you know the Cure, yeah, I, like Glenn Campbell used used one a lot. Like the the solo in which Lyman is um, is a basic. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and that's that's an amazing. That's like an amazing. That song's amazing. Hmm. Um, but it's just like you know. I think the the fact that we've you know reeled off four or five kind of obvious examples, and now it's like, uh, yeah, football, well, etc. My mate's the only, band from like, Texas, modern, football, yeah. etc. They use one, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, but it's like, and they've got the best looking one as well. The shell pink matching headstock. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, but again, it's dream. like. She, she's just using it as a base like it's yeah. not you know it's that's the thing is it's like i think that the the, the basics is just like it, just in terms of like modern music it's never really taken off does and anyone so, need those high two strings i guess you know well and so basics. it just kind of leads itself more to uh kind of i guess you know the, the squire one has been successful because it's at a price point where people might be like yeah i'd like to buy something different something that i can add a bit of texture or something that i can mess around with at home put through my delay pedals you know i think that's i bet that's what a lot of those uh guitars end up doing is that is oh, they yeah, get yeah. used for kind of ambient soundscapey stuff well, i think um, we, we've used it on like polymath recordings for texture and, yeah. and stuff but my one like my one basically sits on on my rack and i was coming around to sort of sell a few of my guitars recently and it came to the basics and i was like i don't really use this but then it's not really worth enough money for me to sell it so it's fun i'll keep it yeah and i think that's yeah, yeah. kind of how that basics the Squire Basics, and certainly I had before the Classic Vibe. I've got the vintage modified one, which yeah. is even 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 cheaper, and obviously had yeah. some. You know, the the bridge wasn't as good yet to change that out. They've fixed that on the Classic Vibe, but um, but yeah. But then you, you know, you talk about like why people like Dunable or Electric Guitar Company, Electrical Guitar Company, are doing well with them. It's like there's something else there as well. You know, there's a reason why people go for a Dunnable. There's a reason why people go for electrical guitar company, as opposed to just saying, hello there, I would like to buy a basics. What are your options? Yeah. You're probably being drawn towards, if you're buying like a Dunnable basics, you're probably already being drawn to the fact that those guitars are like, are like kind of metally and cool and yeah. interesting and like a progressive brand um and and you know likewise electrical guitar company i mean obviously i realize there there's a bit more history there but like it, it's not just i'm going to shop around for a basics 
probably the opposite. It's probably someone saying, I want an electrical guitar company guitar. Absolutely. Oh, look, yeah. they do a bass six. That's cool. I'll get that. Um, I, just on, on this note, I don't know if, I don't think we talked about it last week. And I can't remember if I posted a picture of it in the group or in our, our one of our chats. But did you see that Wes Borland posted a picture of his new prototype from PRS? Of course. On his we Instagram. Didn't. No one follows Wes Borland other um, than you, Matt. So he posted a picture of his new four-string guitar bass with Trem from PRS. So it's got, get this, not one. I'm just looking at it. Not two, but three EMGs, two humbuckers, and a single coil, but not in the HSH configuration. It's in a... SHS. No, SHS. Yeah. With a volume four guitar and a volume four bass. With a trem, I mean this thing. Just wait, no, S H H. Yeah, this that's, thing. Wait, looks no, mad. H S S. The S H H. That's what you S H H. S H H. S H H. Yeah. So the the single coil is like right up by the um, on the neck join, which I assume is, is dealing with the f- bass. I assume that one's going to deal with the most of the bass frequencies and then the humbucker for guitar. The low string on this four string looks substantially thicker than the other three on this prototype as well. Yeah, I wonder what it is. I wonder what gauge it is. What, Two inputs uh, by the looks of it as well. One for bass, one yeah, for guitar. Yeah, one bass and guitar, yeah. and then bass and guitar volume, I guess that is. And then, yeah, weird. What's that trim as well? Is it an Evertune or something? No, it's something weird and no. custom. It's got um, a little name on the bottom, but I can't see yeah, it from this picture. Fred Durst likes this post. <laughs> um, oh, here you go. So someone's asked... Um, the string gauge is 80, so it's an 80 low E. Um, so, you know, that's that's quite light. So 80, 42, 32, 22, and it's tuned AADG. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I, let's so do an it's, SE so version. So it's basically it's just... a three-string with well, yeah, a drone well, note. So, it's a three-string with a drone note. Yeah, so basically it's, it's a... Uh, so... It's essentially as though you've got a six-string electric guitar, you're using heavy strings on it, and you've detuned the E to an A. So then you've got AADG. Yeah, so basically as if, yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. It's like you're using, so if you're using baritone strings, um, which tradi- traditionally would be like 13 to 72 or something like that, you are he has detuned the e to an a and then the a d and g remain the same so actually the uh the three higher strings probably are it's probably not that different to playing you know what's skinny top heavy bottoms i bet they're i bet it's the same gauge as skinny top heavy bottoms because they're 10 to 52 uh sorry whilst i google um yeah, so 42... Th- okay, so it's a little bit heavier. So um, the A, D, and G on skinny top heavy bottoms are 42, 30, 17. So, you know, it's actually not a million miles away from just like regular heavy guitar tuning with an 80 for the low string. But yeah, it's just a drone string, essentially. Um, really cool, really interesting. He's been playing a four string for a while, I didn't realise. He's had other four string Yeah, models. a lot of... Um... 
Yeah, significant other. I think quite a lot of the guitar parts on that are this. I think he played a PRS or similar, um, and then only had four strings on on that. And uh, actually, if you scroll back through his posts nine weeks ago, um, oh, here I am with a base six. So there's another uh, <laughs> base six user, Wes Borland. <laughs> wow. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't ever see the... I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of West Borland fanboys, i.e. me, um, that would buy one. Um, but uh, yeah, madness. I- it's cool. I mean, it, also, I can't... When was the last time PRS did a signature? I mean, when's the last time PRS did a bass, apart from anything? But... Um, I think... Do they, can you still buy PRS bass? Yeah, they did the the Kestrel, didn't they? Yeah, and, uh, I guess. But are they are they SE or were they? They were SE. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. remember that at all. PRS Kestrel looks like they've um, looks like yeah, they've been SE. doing it for a while. I'm scrolling back through a bunch of posts, and he's posted a bunch of pictures of other PRSs that he's played that are a similar a similar setup. So uh, huh. yeah, madness madness yeah no, i want, like it it looks yeah cool. i know i kind of want one i'm like yeah <laughs> with a bunch of gain and some uh you know a bunch of delay i bet that thing sounds amazing i wonder if you could you could probably run both outputs at the same time and send one to how about that run both like come out of both outputs and then like go into like f- put the guitar input into like uh, like delays and reverbs and stuff and put the bass input into just like drives and like keep it kind of clean. Yes. So that you've got all sorts going on. I bet that'll sound wicked. Yes. Really cool. It's a Amazing. really cool idea. I'm I'm very into this. Um, the four string guitar sounds like something I can play as well. So, you know. And uh, just scrolling back, uh, he's playing a bass six here. It's got a picture of his pedal board. Not one, not two, but four boss delay pedals wow <laughs> it's pedal boards <laughs> and uh yeah was this all just a setup to talk about that matty yes that was, that was just up. to say that uh, welcome on board west board i mean <laughs> i mean matt yeah. didn't mention the post about two weeks after that where he bought an hx effects but you know that's that's fine yeah no no <laughs> um ridiculous oh yeah I, I've, he's uh i'd love to meet him also, because his main amps, I think, are jazz choruses. So, oh, really? You know, Limp Bizkit oh. jazz chorus. There you go. How about that? How about that? Well, very cool. Very cool. Dear listener, go check it out. on. Uh, I think it's the Wes Ball on, on Instagram. You should check out his cool guitar. It's very cool. Now, I do want to mention, because you know, I've been trying to mention the, the plug-in of the week each week. I promise we'll talk about guitars again after this. But um, this, this plug-in of the week was actually suggested by Andy Manley on the Guitar Notes Facebook group. Um, something from Black Rooster Audio. You can check them out on blackroosteraudio.com. Now, Black Rooster Audio do a whole bunch of very, very cool plugins, which I will talk, out, talk about in a bit. But the one Andy Manley mentioned is one of their free plugins. That's right, dear listener. It's completely free. They're Cypress TT15, which is kind of an orange tiny terror um, uh, amp sim, but completely free. It's, it's it's green. It looks gorgeous, actually. The graphics for the amp are, are, are very good. But, you know, kind of similar things are very simple. You've got gain, volume, and a master tone, the same as you would in a tiny, tiny Terra, with a couple of flick switches for kind of, you know, uh, selecting the, the gain frequencies and the overall kind of EQ shaping. Um, 
but you know, this would cost you absolutely nothing. Sounds absolutely fantastic from all the little demo videos I've seen of it, like a really strong contender. And you know, absolutely worth getting as it costs nothing. If you're looking for an orange amp, an orange style amp in a in a plugin, then you know, most companies charge a lot more than nothing for for a decent one. So very, you know, very worthwhile getting. But you know, Black Rooster Audio actually makes some fantastic stuff. They were one of the first companies to really um, uh, get on board with uh, the whole isolation thing. They introduced their stay stay home bundles. They did their stay home and their stay home two bundle, where um, you could get every single plugin that they do, which I think was. Um, yeah, eight hundred and eleven pounds, which would be if you bought every single plugin individually, you get them for a hundred and thirty-three pounds. Wow, yeah, I appreciate. Listen, we're we're talking, you know, a lot of money for plugins. One hundred and thirty-three pounds is is relatively expensive when we're just talking about a free one. But you know, the fact that it was uh, that yeah, one hundred and thirty-three quid instead of eight hundred and eleven is fantastic, and they do a wonderful range of of things everything from like some like their uh, magnetite which is kind of like an abbey road tape reel style um uh like mastering plug-in to their vintage their ro 140 which is a lovely vintage plate reverb which i have it's excellent um and then there's, kind of like there, a there's sorry? another have you seen the other free one they've got at the moment they've got no. two free ones at the moment so there's the uh there's the canary teeth uh sorry the uh uh, Cypress TT, and they've also got one called the Canary, yes, um, which is uh, specifically for drums. So, Matty, maybe something that you would uh, be interested in to go with uh, your easy drums. So, uh, yeah, the Canary. The Canary was designed to support you in creating the most powerful and convincing drums you have ever recorded or mixed. This plugin lets you expand and recover some fundamental aspects of the drum signal that may have been lost during the recording process or which haven't been there in the first place. Mm spooky um yeah. so uh yeah you know if it's gonna make your um electronic drum sound a bit more analog and a bit more irl then you know might be worth might be worth uh downloading letting us know what you think matty i am on it right now if i if i download and restart my computer that's why i disappear <laughs> yes uh, yeah he couldn't he couldn't wait to to get some easy drums going through the canary mm, there you go but yes the, the tagline I mean, here is makes your drums sing which i like a lot i think that's really good i wonder <laughs> if they came up with the tagline before the name i bet they did <laughs> yeah they um the, the the entire range of of Black Rooster Audio bits and bobs are incredibly incredibly good. I got their VLA FET compressor some time ago in a sale for like it is it's eighty pounds. I think I got it for like forty pounds. But of course, you know, even that is is you know like you know nearly a well a, a quarter of the the cost of getting everything. So <laughs> so I've been you know, I've been had there really. I should have gone for the stay at, stay at home bundle, but. Um, they're very good. I thoroughly recommend them. And yeah, check out that little the Cypress, the little orange preamp. It's it's very very good. Now we uh, we we should talk about some news things this week, <laughs> as uh, as we hurtle towards the end of the podcast because there've been a whole bunch of like it seems to be a week for customer shops. You know, we've got like this rad new line of kind of Gretches for for 2021, which have been around for a while. We just haven't spoken about them. The Ernie Ball BFR series are very interesting. ESP have put out their Exhibition Limited series, which is, you know, hilarious because there are no exhibitions. Um, the Fender have done their... their <laughs> 
prestige clips collection and gibson and let's talk about that first matt gibson have launched or is relaunched i feel like it's a relaunch of the murphy lab collection well so let me tell you about this so for the longest time where especially when we worked more so at gap i didn't see as many antons but there was always this rumbling of uh yeah, oh, you know, can you get a Tom? Can you get a Tom Murphy Les Paul? Can you get a Tom Murphy Les Paul? So, for those people listening who don't know, Tom Murphy is renowned as like the best, one of the best guitar ages. Um, you know, someone who basically relicked guitars in in that kind of scene. Um, he's, and he's like picking the wrong Grail in Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. He um he was the person that was responsible for so Gibson always did some level of aging but he like did the best aging and you could always tell uh, or you you knew it was one of his because he signed a little T and an M into the relicking lacquer chat lacquer checks <laughs> lacquer uh, checking uh, into um, where the volume the bottom volume and tone were and they were they commanded like mega money and. Even now, you know, on a couple of the like Les Paul groups that I'm I'm in on um, Facebook, you see people going, "Oh, I've got a Murphy aged," and like they're just like mega money. They started at like eight grand, uh, but yeah, he was never a full time employee of Gibson, and now he is effectively. So the Murphy Lab, he has now trained a small selection of staff up to his level to be able to offer. 50 brand new Tom Murphy or Murphy Lab guitars. Um, alongside that, you can now, on made to measure, select, uh, you know, light, medium, heavy, and very heavy Murphy Lab relicking options. Wow. Um, so, yeah, sorry, ultra light, light, heavy, and ultra heavy. Um, so you can order those on made to measure. So you can say, I want a one pickup pink Les Paul Custom in heavy, uh, ultra heavy aging, and they can do that. But off the shelf, as it were, um, 50 brand new Murphy Lab guitars. So that ranges from a aged 54 Les Paul all the way through to, get this, you know, you'd expect your 58s and your 59s, 63 Firebird 5 in frost blue, uh, ultra heavy um there's some 335s um which are yes. pretty cool and uh also yeah you've got things like 64 335 in uh you know light aged or a firebird 5 with uh vibrola in oh. heavy aged oh. um Wait, what so- sort of price are these things coming in at they are not cheap. Um, so obviously, Les Pauls are the most expensive, um, which yes, you would you would expect. So if you want a, let's just pick here. Let's can you filter this by price? No, you cannot. Um, Nineteen sixty Les Paul standard tangerine burst, heavy aged, eight thousand nine hundred and ninety nine 
dollars. God, that's uh, expensive. Can I? Can it? Can it be cheaper if I don't get it in a crap finish like Tangerine Burst? No. So the, these ones are preset. So these are the guitars oh. that I'm assuming they are offering all year round. So this ranges from your like 58 Lemon Burst, your 59s, your 335s, basically a range of all guitars that they currently make out of the custom shop, including a 1960 Les Paul Junior double cut mm. in ebony, heavy aged, um, not cheap at seven. $1,799, but looks amazing. Um, So I think this is basically for them. This is the next step in them offering aged and relic guitars. Wow. Taking that premium service to a new level. Yes, I think it's... um, I guess people have always, like with Fender, have wanted relic guitars, and Gibson have never really offered it. Like, we, we used to get them... Relative, we always used to have a few um, at, at GAC, but now it's... They were fine, though, weren't they, before? They were fine. The Murphy ones were always the best ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it wasn't just that he had aged them. They actually generally just, like, felt better yeah. and just played better. Um, but, yeah, now you can uh, you can order that on Made to Measure, which is, I think is, is wicked. You know, there used to be a massive waiting list, I think... I remember talking to some friends that work in other retailers, you know, after I I sort of left working in retail and they'd be like, oh yeah, we've waited like three years for this one particular Murphy guitar. And it was already sold like within a month of us saying that we're going to get it. Um, So I think it's, it's, it's cool. I'm getting base sixes on there. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. EB six heavy age, Todd Murphy. It's about 50 grand. Um, so yeah, amazing that they can they can offer that and they're going down that that route. Gibson, a kind of I guess, listening to what people want and uh, saying, well, here you go, <laughs> basically. Very cool. So very very cool. And then just on their website now, if you go to their custom models, obviously there's a bunch of stuff on there in their standard um, custom range as well. But yes, a, a whole range of just amazing guitars out there now from from Gibson that hopefully will filter into more shops and more accessible to the people out there that that want them. I've just spotted they're doing a black 1964 Trini Lopez with stop tail, which <gasps> looks amazing. Oh, that's what you um, want. Have, so, you yeah. ever, have you ever owned a 335 style guitar, Matt? Uh, I had a 339. Yeah. Um, Did but you? One, I don't remember that. Yeah, but a 175 is my ultimate I've got one of no. those. 175 or a 125T, which is the thin line. We had one in, in GAC for a while, which was amazing. Um, oh. But yeah, 175. I've always wanted a one pickup 175. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One, ne- cool. one neck pickup. One neck pickup. Sweet one. 175. Um, Sweet. But yeah, I mean, obviously the three pickup one, any, any 175. Amazing. If if anyone's if anyone's listening, Matt will Matt will accept it. If if you've got like <laughs> a two pickup one knocking about that you just you know you want to send to Matt, he won't turn it away just because it's got two pickups. It's essentially what you're saying, Matty, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Any donations gratefully received. Have you um, have you ever owned a, a three three five style guitar, Jay? No, I've not. I I've thought about it. Three three nine has always been. I've always preferred the idea of. Um, What's that? I don't know. I think it would just make me look comically massive. I think is the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I quite like the idea of that. Um, 
No, I, I don't. I don't know really. I've never. No, I haven't ever had one. Um, I've not had like a dot or. A, I mean, I had a Gretsch for a while. Uh, you know, if we're talking about oh, hollow yeah. bodies, I had a, I had a Gretsch for a long time actually, like a, uh, fifty. I think it was a fifty-one twenty-five or something like that. It was um like your classic kind of Gretsch electromatic with, uh, but it had Dan Electro single coils in it. So it was when Fender was distributing. Do you uh, mean Diamond? I mean Diamond. Yeah, of course. Yeah, not Dan Electro. So uh, it was when Fender. I, I think Fender was distributing Diamond for a time, or no, Diamond was part of Guild. There's some sort of lineage there that I don't really understand, but yeah. um, I, th- I think that's it. I think Diamond was was a part of Guild and it was when Fender was distributing Guild. I see. Um and so there was yeah there was a range of uh, of Gretches that that uh that came with that. That was actually um a guitar that I bought from the aforementioned uh sales hawk Marky <laughs> P uh when I went into GAC to buy a Telecaster and he basically said no, you can't buy a Telecaster. You can buy this Gretsch because it's damaged and we need to get rid of it. And uh, Such I got a good friend. Bu- I got bullied into friend. it. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> that was like very, very early on in our friendship. This was probably 2004, 2005 probably that that happened. So like way before I started working at GAC. Um, but yeah, I had that for a while and I just, I, I it was great for what i was doing at the time which was like scar like abrasive scar punk yeah um and uh and then after that like yeah my love affair with telecasters sort of blossomed and now i play strat so you know (laughs) (laughs) um but uh no i've been thinking about hollow bodies again i've been thinking about maybe going like dipping my toe back into the world of of Gretsch's or um, oh yeah, or maybe should. maybe a casino or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Or three 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 five would be good, but they are expensive. Yeah, I um, yeah. I always liked three thirty, like the, like the fully yeah. hollow ones. Um, but actually, I was looking at um, Heritage also do a three three five and a three thirty and have a custom shop as well. And some of the stuff yeah. they had at Winter Nam this year, um was cool but yeah they they do a a 175 as well i'm like oh well they, well, they, they? just knock a pickup out of the bridge don't, don't put that one in save me some money don't cut that bit out and then just put the neck one in um, i wonder if the heritage, heritage yeah heritage is, 535 is, is there 535 it it's there is their kind of 335 i guess oh they're 335 oh yeah the oh i thought it's the 530 is it not no okay maybe not Oh yeah, the five three five. You're absolutely yeah. right. Oh, the Eagle Classic is you know it's not quite a uh, one seven five because it's a it's a it's a, a rounded lower horn. I think that's than based. A, I'm guessing that's based off the old. I want to say Birdland Gibson yeah, Birdland. Yeah. I think we had something similar at GAC ones, and they were super rare. They didn't make many of them, and that was like nine grand. Yeah. Wow, I think. Well, this it looks like these are what like four seven nine nine US dollars made on request, which is about. I mean, it's probably about the same as my ES one seven five. I guess, like maybe a little bit more actually than my Gibson ES one seven five. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, specs wise, I mean, I've just I've. Yeah, the, that five seven five comes in with five three five. 
No, no I was, there yeah, was I a was five seven. Uh, I didn't see the five seven five. It's three nine nine. That is their ES one seven five. I didn't see that initially, but yeah. yeah. Um, but they come the... with like proper Seymour Duncan's and and everything. But they oh, also have an good. artisan aged program, which they do the five thirty oh, no. in an aged. I'm like, <gasps> oh, that looks great with two nice. P nineties in it. I'm in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Hollow bodies. I, I've always wanted one, and just yeah, I never owned one properly for for, for very long sort of like had one then like flipped it but um yeah that or a gretch obviously i've always wanted a white penguin the penguin so. is your yeah that's always been what you've yeah it's the bucket list it? yeah, yeah it's on there and the only one i've ever seen in and, and actually i remember when i was in a shop was a left-handed one so well you could relearn i could yeah lazy yeah <laughs> lazy um but yeah one day one day I can't even if you ever had a, you ever had a hollow body bass, Joe? You I had a Jack, you had a Jack Bruce for a while, didn't you? Uh, not, not Jack Bruce. The Warwick Jack Bruce. No, I didn't. I, I had the um, uh, Jack Cassidy, the Epiphone Sorry, Jack Cassidy. Yes, is of, that what you mean? Of course. Yeah. Well, yes, it is, well yeah. Jack Bruce had a very similar looking model, like three three five style with with Warwick, but I never never got that one. Yeah, I got the. Uh, Sorry, it was because you were talking about cream earlier. Yeah, I had yeah. um, Jack Bruce on the mind. Yes, the Jack Cassidy yeah. was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, um, the Jack Casty was fantastic. I got it in black. I kind of every now and again I regret selling it because it was one of those bases that looked incredibly cool, but um, it didn't especially play very nice. It had that you know that sort of cheaper Epiphone feel. Mark's mentioned it before, where everything just feels like it's been just so overpainted. Like the paint is just so thick on it. It kind of feels like you're playing a bit of plastic sort of thing it it kind of had that sort of feel to it i guess even though it was so cool looking i just never never clicked with it for some reason which is strange because normally all i care about is how something looks and it, it was very cool it sounded fine like it just i think it was a mix <laughs> this sounds this sounds daft but but one of the problems with it was of course it was a long scale hollow body, which makes it very uncommon because, of course, most hollow body bases are short scale as well. So, essentially, there are no cases that you can get for this um, without getting there's, something. I, I was funnily, funnily, funny you should mention that because there was the Jack Cassidy case. Yes. Yeah. But that's and not going to be. We sold so many of them. Hmm. Well, you've got to get one because it's not going to fit in anything else. It's not going to fit well, in any yeah. soft cases or anything like that. Yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. kind of the problem that I had. Like I was like, well, it doesn't fit in any of my soft bags, and I have like nice mono soft bags. So I was like, it's kind of if I start using this properly, it almost renders all these wonderful gig bags redundant. And then the only hard case you can get for it is the Epiphone Jack Casty case, which isn't really tour worthy. Like you couldn't fly that. Like you could carry no. it to a show, but it's not like a Hiscox or anything like that. And I was like, I also have a number of Hiscox cases. You know, it doesn't matter what base I get. I can always put them in my sort of bashed up Hiscox that's got my band logo on the front and it's fine. And it's kind of, in getting the Jack Cassidy, I was like, I literally have to get new everything else just for this base. And so I sort of, it just ended up sitting on a shelf and I eventually sold it. Um, were you, I mean, surely you weren't allowed to play it anyway, were you? Didn't because it's it didn't fit with the color scheme oh no i got i got it in black they did a black oh okay with, right okay. Uh, with okay. white binding yeah of course i wasn't going to get the the gold top or anything like that no every everything has to be has to be black um or sunburst so you know mm. got it in that 
but yeah, it, it was good. It was good. It was just, you know, not not quite right. And and of course, I have now commissioned a Moore M O A R um, custom shop Wayfair, which is their of course their thin line. Yeah, body. they're very yeah, thin yeah. three three five. So yeah, that, yeah. that that will be made this year. You obviously had a massive waiting list. Um, but it's coming round to to that one being uh, being actually made. So I've I've commissioned a three base P ninety um, with base six switching, um, uh, which is Jaguar switching essentially. Uh, um, yeah, three three five style slimline hollow body four string bass. Super st- slim. I mean, it's basically two yeah. D. Like you don't want to yeah. be you don't want to be putting that in your guitar rack, mate. You'll be, it'll disappear. <laughs> no, like you exactly. need to put that up on the wall. Otherwise, it's just you're just going to lose it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll put it sort of side on, and then I won't be able to see it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yeah, very cool. I'll, I will look forward to that. Anyway, that is uh, that's actually all the time we have on uh, on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. We're going to be continuing over on Patreon. So join us, dear listener, over there at patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds for an entire extra episode now and. Every Every week, and you can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month at the dollar tier. You get this episode ad-free and early at five dollars. You'll get access to our Patreon special episodes, plus our entire back catalogue and all our mini series. And at ten dollars, you'll get the lot plus. I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. I did a new song last week with a with a pretty cool rap. I was kind of going for a um, some forty one feel. I'm kind of trying to do different punk pop bands. Uh, this year as my as my ending songs but but it got described as alien ant farm-esque but i guess that was the rapping so you know it's fine (laughs) but but you know it's 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 i'll I'll get it right in the future i'll try someone else next i'm not sure who maybe maybe it's time to do limp biscuit uh, who knows? In a couple of weeks, I need some time to think of the idea. But anyway, you can also find us on all your favourite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Bye. I did it all for the nookie. <sighs> the nookie! Let me tell you all about my Patreon backers Some of them are crazy, some of them are crackers Playing the guitar with the insane with the back hurts Modern all the squire on codes with the rappers I am the host, but I never seen a ghost No concert is playing absolute growth I just want retroness, I must confess You Patreon backers are the best It's like Eric Bond, John Conway, James Dodd, John Hackettee Paul, Julian Manning, Russell, Healing, Ty, Allen, Yogi, the guitarist, Carl Harris, Carl Lifter, and Todd Sands, Joe Hopper, John Hughes, Brian Hansen, Shane M, and Jeffrey Wax, Eric Hammer, Samuel Foss, Brian Einstein, Adam Zander, Linden, Andy Manley, Scott Udden, Robert Butterworth, Simon Milborn, Marcus Alcato, Wacky, and Stuart Robson, Christian Lund, Hanson, Pete Adams, Michael McVay, and Eric File, Peter's joke, but it rhymes with Dermot Jack Cuffmore, Ken Sayers, Dave Matthews Died to be the band, Sean Arbo John Anglin, Dr. Amadon And Ernie Cooper, Russ Edwards Nate Nagel, Stephen Burke Aaron Sherman, Dave Lee, Jay Gray Scott Kennedy, Blake Wyland Christopher Loseth, Hans Ams, Derek Rich, Rob Nordvik Steve Merkel, J.D. Short And Brad Page, Annie McKenzie And Robert Smith, Scott O'Brien Paul Corrigan Ooh. 
tell you all about my Patreon backers Some of them are crazy, some of them are crackers Playing the guitar all day and saying that the back hurts Mud and all the square bond coats with the rappers I am the host, but I never seen a ghost No concert, he was playing absolute gold I just want retroness, I must confess You think Patreon backers are the best? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 